0: This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassionchurch. You're giving your generosity. We appreciate it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, God's speaking a word to us, Passion Church. Move on. Move on. Move on in the face of obstacles. Move on in the face of Pharaoh and his strategies. That's the world system. God says, move on. You know, uh, so when God says, move on, you know what that means? I can. I can. If, God is, if this word's resonating in your heart, God say, move on. You can. If he needs to split a Red Sea for you, he can do it. If he needs to defeat Pharaoh's army, he can do it. If he needs to bring confusion to your enemies, he can do it. Whatever it is that we need, we can respond to God's word. And I believe we live by a proceeding word of God. That's what Jesus told the devil when he was being tempted in the wilderness. He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, we know we've got this written word all the time with us. But God will speak a word from his word at times, and it becomes a proceeding word, a rhema word, a word that is uh, suitable along with all, everything else he said, but it's, it's what he's emphasizing to you at the moment. Amen. And I found out when I'm, when I'm where he is, when I'm where he's moving at the moment, I always get better results. Whether I'm praying, whether I'm obeying, whatever it might be doing. When God's given me a proceeding word and I act upon it, whew, miracles happen. Amen. So we're going to continue talking about moving on. We've talked about, you know, we looked over there. We'll look at our key verse there again. <clears throat> exodus 14 i'll just we'll just look at it's kind of the word that god has spoken to me remember that they just come out of egypt and they were they were on their way out and like like i said you got to remember their mindset they had been in slavery for 400 years that's a lot of generations isn't it that really can get get a mindset in you isn't that right And so we we understood they they came out with a mighty hand. And so here they are, everybody shouting and dancing and having a good old hallelujah time, kind of like we were doing this morning. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're up against the Red Sea and they see Pharaoh's army coming behind them. Listen, these people have been 400 years in slavery. There's not a spear or a bow or anything among them. Are you listening to me? I mean, I don't know, maybe they... Brought a couple of bricks with them to throw, but that ain't too much good because that's what they've been doing for 400 years, making bricks. Building pyramids and doing all that stuff. And, you know, but they had that mindset. This is life. This is the way life is. This is I mean, you know, my, my daddy was a slave. My granddaddy was a slave. My great-granddaddy, my great-great-granddaddy. Every, how many generations? 400 years goes back. It's quite a few, though, isn't it? What was that, 20 generations? Whatever it is. So I want you to get that in mind because you know sometimes we can look at that. Well, what in the is wrong with those Israelites? Same thing's wrong with us sometimes. <laughs> I didn't call no names. So that's the scenario. So, uh, you know, Moses is, you know, he's leading the people in verse 15. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? What do you mean? Why are you crying? Lord, Red Sea Army, us. Red Sea Army, us. We ain't even got a slingshot. What do you mean, why am I crying out to you? I want that to sink in. Because that's not what you expect (laughs) to hear in your time of trouble, time of need. But you know what? God might want to get your attention that way too. So why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites... Move on. He said, move on. You know what he's saying to you? There's a time to pray, but there's a time to move on. He said, stop praying and move on. I heard your prayer, but now move on. Get your faith in motion. Get, get your obedience going. Move in the direction I have, I have spoken to you and i pointed to you. Boy, I hear, I, hear, I don't know about you, but I can hear, I hear, hear the voice of the Spirit in that. It's time, says God, to move on. You camp too long and the manna goes sour. You camp too long, you miss the fire. You miss the cloud. You miss the glory. You miss the purpose. And you're alone in the wilderness. How does that feel? Not too good. You know, on the battlefields of the world, and, of course, we know more about it now than we ever had, but, you know, uh, uh, soldiers, men and women that have been in battle, especially on the front lines, and have have, uh, been there where, you know, maybe they were actually uh, physically wounded, but just the trauma, uh, which, unless you've been there, we can't really uh, uh, understand what that's about. I mean, I can't imagine being shot at all the time or even one time. But they're in that, you know, and, and it takes a toll on them physically, mentally, and emotionally. You know, they call it post-traumatic uh, stress syndrome or something like that, right? And I think I got that right. And they come back with that, and and they come back, and maybe maybe their bodies get well. You know, they recover in their body, but they, they've got all this baggage they're carrying with them. And you know, and I, I, I want to just kind of. Spiritualize that a little bit, if I can. But I think it's true also in the body of Christ. Let's look over in Ephesians six. I want to talk about wounded warriors today and how to recover. God wants you. God wants you well. You know, it's hard for them. Uh, these soldiers that come back with this going on in their life, it's hard for them. To assume a normal life again it's hard for them to just do what you know we just take for granted the the ordinary uh, affairs of life that we carry out it's hard for them to do that and and you know there were a lot of years when people didn't understand that and you know they just tell you, you know hey you just need to suck it up buddy well I got news for you there's a lot of things you can't just suck up. You need to get delivered from. You need to get healed by. You need to get, amen? And, and I think that's true. That's happened in the body of Christ. We've got a, a lot of wounded believers, a lot of wounded warriors, many of them not in church anywhere today. Because of that, they're wounded. They're hurting. Amen? Amen. And, you know, in the body of Christ as a whole, I'm not saying you in particular, but as a whole, we just kind of, you know, we just kind of pushed them off in the wounded warrior ward. (laughs) Well, bless their heart, if they just had enough faith, or if they just had done this, or if they could have just done that, or if they could have just, you know. We have to take a responsibility to restore our brothers and sisters. Ephesians 6. Now, I know this is not a jump-up-and-down shout message, but it's an important one. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Then he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Amen? So, wounded warriors, and we get wounded from my observation in two ways. Number one, what Paul says here, we get wounded by the arrows of the enemy. Amen? We have an enemy. He wants to destroy you, your family, everybody about you. He, he is out to kill, steal, and destroy. That's all he does. That's what he does. He wants to accuse you. He wants to condemn you. He wants to deceive you. He wants to lead you in a place so that you become a wounded warrior for God. Wounded warriors are not good soldiers. By that I mean not able to fight. You understand what I mean? They're they're ineffective in the battle if you become wounded. And so many Christians, bless their heart, are wounded, have been wounded by the enemy. They have been, con- you know, they're, they're living under condemnation. They're living under guilt. They're living under shame. They're living under fear and all these different things. Some we've already talked about. But they're wounded. And they, 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 they just, they're not able to cope. You say, well, well, they ought to be able to. Well, remember what Jesus said. He said, the way you judge, that's the way you're going to be judged. So if you find yourself wounded, guess what? (laughs) So, you know, I told God a long time ago, if I'm going to err, I'd rather err in love. Amen? God said, well, you just love these people too much. Okay, guilty. But I'd rather err on the the side of love than the side of judgment. Amen? But they've been wounded, they've been hurt, you know, and they need to be restored. Now, you probably know some. Let's, listen to this right here. I look at you right there. Turn in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters. Now, who's he talking to? The church. Believers. Isn't that right? If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, should restore that person gently well i'll tell you what get you in a headlock and get you to church and rub a knot. now here's the thing if that's not happening you know what it tells me there's no spiritual ones among us <laughs> slipped that one in didn't i but that's what he said isn't that what, he, isn't that what the, is that what you see that verse to mean? He said, those who are living by the Spirit, who are spiritual, or who are walking by the Spirit, he said, he said yeah, restore them. And he said, gently, they're already hurting. I mean, a guy comes up to you and he's got his arm blown off and you're just slapping him around. Like, Man, we'll lock you up. It, wouldn't you? Man, if you saw somebody treating somebody that way, I mean, you'd be like, hey. But we don't think anything about it in the church. I'll tell you what. I remember they used to be in church, but now, man, they're out, and I, I heard they're doing this, and I heard they're doing that. So he says, We need to restore. Notice what he said restore them gently. He said, Watch yourselves, because you also might be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. We're talking about moving on. Well, listen. You know, uh, I think it's the Marines. It could be throughout the, the military probably. But I, I think especially with the Marines, they talk about no man left behind. They, they, if somebody gets wounded, they don't go up to pull out their gun like, you know, and shoot him or her. Sirs you right for getting wounded. No, that, you know what they say? We ain't leaving until we get them. If we leave they leave if we go they go they're coming with us what if we took that mentality in the church what if we took that mentality here passion church wonder how many people that once were in this church and now they're nowhere now if they're going some other church that's fine but if there's a lot that just out there they're just they're just hurting they're at home with their hurts they're at home with their woundedness they're at home with that. And you, know, and, you know, I know how the devil works. The devil is piling on them. Man, he don't miss a chance. If there's anything you say about the devil, he is consistent. He don't miss a chance to pile on you, does he? You mess up, man, he's going to bring about 10 tons of, of guilt and condemnation and everything else and tell you what all God's thinking. He don't know what God's thinking. But he's going to tell you God don't love you no more. How does he know that? You think the devil knows the mind of God? Well, stop falling for that junk. (laughs) But he does all that. And so it's up to us what? To restore them gently. 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 Amen? We need to start exercising some spiritual rehab. We need to rehab. Our brothers and sisters, gently, don't we? We need to to get them back walking again. We need to get them back whole again. We need to get them back, you know, well again. But 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 that might cut into my personal time. Well, we can't do that. We wouldn't want to do that. Thank you for your enthusiasm. It gets awful quiet in here. So the flaming arrows of the enemy. I won't belabor that one because I think we. <laughs> We know that. But the enemy, he does that, you know. And, you know, uh, you know. sometimes when people are tempted, they don't pass. Y'all looking at me so holy. <laughs> you know. Maybe, maybe that's happened to you once in your walk. Amen. <laughs> you know, you kick the cat or something, you know. And then it's what I then the second one is what I call friendly fire. You know, even in war, you know, a lot of times people are are sometimes even killed, but a lot of times you know wounded by friendly fire. You know, in in the in the fog of war they call it. I mean, I mean, there's, I mean, people shooting. There's gunfire coming from everywhere. Explosions going off. Dust throwing up in the air, debris, all that's going on. They call it the fog of war. Sometimes people get hit by friendly fire. Families and friends, other believers, friendly fire, friendly fire. And actually, you know, it's it's really not all that friendly, is it? (laughs) Look look over here in James. So what we're calling friendly fire, where does that fire come from? I know you're going to shout about this too. <laughs> James 3 and verse 6. The tongue also is a fire. So what's, what's the source of this friendly fire? It ain't that Tongue <laughs> says... Uh, is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. The parts of the body. Not just this body, but the body of Christ. Well, did you hear what she did? Yeah. I'm telling you what, she, she can't be no Christian doing that. He can't be no Christian. No I tell you, I think we ought to vote to mind the church. Y'all ain't been some of the places I've been, have you? <laughs> Woo! Be glad you haven't. He says, uh, among the parts of the body, it corrupts the whole body. When we... Use allow our tongue to be used for friendly fire against our brothers and sisters. Listen, it's going to cause a corruption. We wonder why don't we see the Holy Ghost moving? Why don't we see the signs of wonder? Why don't we see miracles? Why don't we see this, that, or the other? I'm going to tell you why. There's corruption. There's too much. You know, over in the Old Testament, you know, there was a couple of guys that decided to offer up fire to God. Remember those two guys? They thought they were hot shots and something else, and, you know, if Aaron and his sons can do it, so can we. Aren't we princes? Aren't we believers? I'm a believer, same as you are. They, got, they turned into crispy critters because it says they offered strange fire. It's not just any fire. We're praying about the, singing about and praying about the fire to come down, but I want to tell you what, if there's strange fire among us, what is that strange fire? My condemnation. My speaking against another brother or sister. Yeah, but they really did that. I know. Yeah, and what did he say in Galatians? What What is our response to be? Spread it all around. Get the strange fire going. Corrupt the whole body. No, he said, he said you that are aware of it, you that are spiritual, here's how, how you'll react. See, if you're carnal, the devil will use you every time. <clears throat> But he said, the spiritual reaction is this, what? We're going to begin to pray for them as opportunity comes. You know, if we know them, we can come up. We're going to restore them gently. You're not going to come in there. You bum, you need to repent. Get down there right now. I remember uh, hearing a story Brother Hagin told many years ago. We were in Bible school, and he said when, when he first got saved and was out on the you know out traveling around on the evangelistic circuit as they called it in those days you know going from church to church and holding meetings and stuff <clears throat> he said God really began to deal with him in this area because you know he was he God took him over there to Corinthians mm-hmm. you ever read Corinthians well they were a spiritual bunch weren't they got drunk at communion Yet Paul wrote to them, he said, all things are yours. You come behind in no spiritual gift. Hello? See, somebody, a brother or sister, they may have sinned, they may, but here's the thing. He, they're still brothers and sisters. They need to be restored. They don't need to be condemned. They don't need your con- condemnation. Besides that, you're not authorized to condemn them anyway. Who made you to judge? I thought the Lord was the judge. Amen. I can't condemn what God has already justified, amen? But I can restore. God can use me to restore them. He can use me. And you know, everyone that's restored can be used by God. Everyone that's restored makes our, our church and our body stronger, Christ's body stronger, amen? You know, if God has set every member in the body as it pleased them, then they have a place too. And if their place is missing, we're not better off. I mean, I've been in church you know, around people who are, well, I'm glad they're gone. We're better off not to have them in here. I want to think. You know, right then, I had to wash my hands, <laughs> because my flesh wanted to go. Wah. No, we're not better off. I said, we're not better off. What did Jesus say about the 99? Remember that parable? Well... Serves them right for going off and getting lost and wandering around. They just stayed with the rest of the sheep. No. What did he say? He said, the shepherd left the 99, went and found the one. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So listen, let's don't be, let's don't partake in the, what, return friendly fire, which is really not friendly fire. It's strange fire. When I condemn someone, when I judge someone, when, you know, I'm doing that that's strange fire I'm offering up. You know, James said in another place, he said, he, said, he said, brothers and sisters, he said, out of our mouth with this tongue, we praise and bless God. And with that same tongue, what do we do? We condemn and judge our brothers and sisters. He said, this, this is a strange situation. It ought not to be that way. Amen? Pray for them. That's a starting place. Just pray for them. Pray for them. And in the process of time, perhaps God will use it. He might use somebody else. It doesn't matter. But, but you can start by praying for them. And don't spread it around. I mean, you know, I, I've looked over there, and, you know, there in First Corinthians and looked at, you know, the different parts of the body. I didn't see anywhere over there where anybody was supposed to be a manure spreader. I'm sorry, I did that, is that too, am I getting too, (laughs) I'm I'm trying to be nice as I can, but you know. Stop spreading the manure. You don't like it, what makes you think I'm going to like it? Listen, as soon as you start telling me something about somebody, now all of a sudden i got to deal with my own stuff. Because every time I look at them, all I can think about is what you told me. So now I got to overcome that too. <laughs> this is different. I really didn't plan this to go this way, but anyway. <laughs> it's, listen, if, if we're believing for revival, if we're believing for God to do things, listen, this is part of it. The prodigals. The, the wounded warriors, those that have been hurt and wounded, we need to bring them in. Amen? Amen. Now, that, that's on our side. Now, if you happen to be one of those, one of the things we've got to help them do is get over a victim mentality. A victim mentality. Now, see, a victim mentality goes beyond the wound that they received. The wound that they received because either they did not know how to deal with it or the body of Christ didn't know how to help them deal with it, rather than them getting healed as they should have and could have, it festers and it becomes more than a wound, it creates a victim mentality. And that victim mentality will keep them in a place where they cannot be healed. You've run into people like that. They were wounded 20 years ago, and they've never healed. And you can tell when they start talking, they have a victim mentality because they start talking about that and other things associated with it. And, I mean, you know, you can just tell. they're You know, this is wrong, that's wrong. This happened, that happened, this happened, that happened. This, You know, for long, I mean, you feel like, uh, you know. So we have to be careful. And I call that eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Did you know <clears throat> in the garden, of course, I know you're all Bible scholars. All, you all know all about Genesis. But, you know, let me just refresh you. God created Adam and Eve. He put them in the garden. Had two trees in there in particular. Other trees too. But these two he particularly mentioned. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And If you'll go back and read, he never said anything about not eating from the tree of life. He just said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But see, with the victim, what happened is when they did eat from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, all of a sudden they became conscious or focused on themselves rather than God. I'm naked. I'm afraid. Come on. But they, and see... What happens with the victim mentality they're continuing to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil they they're all focused about what happened to me i was hurt i was wounded i was done wrong that wasn't right that was i wasn't done fair i i there was prejudice against me because of my race all of that is true but here's the thing if you stay there and continue to eat of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to be just like they were, like our ancestors were. You're going to be in fear, you're going to be in shame, and you're not going to be in a place where God can bring healing to you. So what we want to do is get people to stop eating from that tree and go back and start eating from the tree of life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have, and have it more, These eating from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it, it comes because we have unhealed hurts. We have unresolved grief. You know, grief, when, it's, when, it's, when, you, when you go through grief, when it's used properly, it heals. But when it's used improperly, when you get a victim mentality and you get stuck in that thing, unresolved grief, you can grieve for years and years and years but it's really not the grief god intended paul wrote over there remember he wrote to the corinthians when he wrote him a letter and he brought some correction you know the guy was sleeping with his mother uh, with his stepmother come on so he brought some correction you know and he said he said i rejoiced uh, you know he said i caused you grief for a little while, but he said, you didn't sorrow with a worldly sorrow or a worldly grief. But he said it was a godly grief that led to repentance, and the repentance leads to wholeness so that you can move on. But see, if we, if we go through grief correctly, and I know these last two years, how many in here have lost a family member or somebody close to you these last two years? Let's just raise a hand. Look at that. Enough grief to go around. But see, grieving correctly is a good thing because it, it, it cleanses us. It purges us. It's, it's a, there's a natural sorrow there. There's a loss there. Of course there is. There, there, there's a severing of a connection there, of a relationship there. So we, But the, the, the purpose God has for that grief is to bring us to wholeness, not to get stuck there and still be grieving 20 years later. Ten years later and just swallowed up by that thing and your, your your life, I mean, you know, they might as well have buried you with them. Because your life stopped right there. Unresolved reconciliation. Oh yeah. That you know, that person, that family member you hadn't spoken to in so long. They did me wrong. Bless your heart. Well, you know what? You're the only one that's ever happened to, so we'll kind of overlook. No, listen, it's anybody in here ever been done wrong? I mean, we could all raise both hands and both feet, couldn't we? If you've lived any time at all, you you something's gonna happen. It's not gonna be just, it's not gonna be fair, it's not gonna be right. Hello. See, we we need to understand that. We got this idea that nothing bad ever should happen to me. Well, where's that written? I've looked through the Scriptures a lot. There's a lot in there I don't know. i am been that, but I haven't seen that. Jesus said, in the world, you shall have no tribulation. Oh, you shall have. Oh. Okay. Yep, thanks for keeping me straight there. Unresolved. Listen, if you can't do that, the Bible says you can't say you love God as you ought to when you don't even love your own brother or sister. See, if, you, if there's something there, Jesus even said, it will hurt, it will affect your offerings that you bring to God. Because he said, he said, if you go and you get ready to present your offering and you remember that your brother has ought against you, first, what comes before first? Nothing. Otherwise, first don't mean first, does it? He said, first go and be reconciled to your brother, your sister, then come. Maybe because the windows of heaven don't seem to be opened over you even though you tithe. I'm not, I'm just, I'm just saying, think about it, that's all. I'm not trying to create some new doctrine here, but. I mean, I don't know. It must mean something if Jesus, Jesus didn't just put it in there to fill in part of the Bible, did he? It must mean something. So here's the thing. We need to get that all cleared up. Man, you ever had a, had your drain, uh, drain in your sink or something partially clogged? Man, you know, it's going out a little bit. But, I mean, it, the water backs up. If you're shaving or something, you go, I mean, it's just aggravating, isn't it? And, you know, here's the thing, you know, we need to unclog (laughs) some of these things, unresolved reconciliations, you know, prolonged grief, unhealed hurts. Can you imagine what the flow of the Holy Spirit would be in us, among us, through us? You know, if the pipe's this big, but this much is getting through. And we can we can we can shout about how big our pipe is. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm glad we're not like your mother churches. Boy, we believe in the Holy Ghost. Here we go. Big old pipe. Everybody's jostling to get in front of that little big stream. It's my turn. It's my you know, it ought to be it ought to be like trying to drink water out of the fire hydrant. Woo! All right, let's talk about moving forward with a limp. (laughs) Anybody remember old Jacob? Jacob, 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 Jacob. Boy, I'm telling you. If anybody started out in a way that you would think was hopeless, it was Jacob. I mean, he was a deceiver. Come on. He He deceived his own daddy. Man, that's hardcore right there. That's hardcore. And on top of that, you know, he had his mom's help. Now, that's hardcore. I mean, that, you, you'd look at that guy and say, there ain't no hope for that guy. I mean, he's here, he's here lying to a patriarch, Isaac. He's lying to the man of God. He's lying to the man who has the covenant blessing of God. I, you know, cause we read this thing something. Oh yeah, well yeah, this was a big deal. So he started out deceiving and deception, and you know, and then when his brother Esau, who rightly should have had the blessing, found out about it, he is just about like most of you would have been. He was mad. <laughs> I mean, you know, because see, we don't understand because of the culture, we don't understand the ramifications of this. You know, the oldest son always got a double portion. The, the lineage, the, the covenant primarily was passed down through them. They had the blessing. They, they, they were uh, over the whole clan. They, they had all the wealth. They had, I mean, so much stuff. This is what was stolen from this guy. No, You'd have been mad too. Don't look at me like that. And I mean, Esau always said, when I see him again, I'm paraphrasing. He said, I see him again. I'm going to kill him. Well, Jacob, you know, he didn't try to reconcile anything. He just took off. And you know, so many believers, you know, something goes wrong or whatever. They don't try to reconcile anything. They just take off. They're over here now. They're over here at this church or over there at that church. And, of course, you know, they always give us that famous byline, the Lord's leading me. Okay. Hope so. Because otherwise you're going to take that same stuff over there. But he, he took off. You know, and of course you know the story. He was held in twenty years of servitude. You know the story with Laban there. I mean, man, he he, he thought he thought he was a sharp guy, but boy, I'm telling you, he met his match in Laban, didn't he? Man, Laban Laban got him. Man, Laban Laban got him for twenty years, man. So finally, you know, Jacob. Decides, I'm going back. I'm going back. And you know, as he's going back, now let's pick it up in Genesis 32. I just gave you that background. I know most of you know it quite well. But that's the review. Now, in Exodus 32, on his way back, I'm sorry, Genesis 32, on his way back, Let me get over there. Here we go. Verse 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. Somewhere along the line, it's going to be just you and the hurts and the wounds Just you alone with them. He was left alone. He's left alone. Boy, I tell you, that's a a bad and a good place to be at. And notice what else he said. So, And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that the hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. He got a name change. He got a new life. He got a new start. Because you have struggled with God. You know who you're struggling with? De- when, you- when you're dealing with all these hurts, and that, you're struggling with God. God says, when you stand, forgive. If your brother has aught against you, he said, you forgive. If they've done anything wrong to- against you, he said, you forgive them. Forgive them. Peter said, seven times, Lord. Boy, he's been spiritual, wouldn't he? Boy, seven times, that wouldn't last some of us more than a day. It's a good thing the Lord corrected him and said, No, I'm talking about seventy times seven. Amen? Now, don't answer this out loud, but how much have you been forgiven? You know, it always helps me when I think, you know, my flesh wants to rise up and say, Well, I'm going to tell you what. I don't know about this. And then I just remember, Oh, wait a minute. How much have I been forgiven? And that's just the part I know about. <laughs> Notice Jacob resolved his woundedness alone with God. If you've been wounded, there's going to come a time where you're going to have to get alone with God. And you're going to have to confront God with your hurts, with your anger with your insecurities, with your fears, whatever it might be, with your unresolved grief that's turned to bitterness, whatever it might be, at some point in time, you're going to have to get alone with God and deal with it. If you don't, you're going to carry it around. The rest of your life, you're going to have to carry it around. You know, used to, in in Roman days, if a guy was guilty of uh, murder... They would take the corpse and tie it to him. And he'd have to walk around carrying that corpse till it just rotted off of him. And see, what happens is, is see, we're, we're carrying a corpse of past hurts and griefs, and we carry that around with us. And can you imagine... And that guy came into the room. You probably knew it, didn't you? What is that smell? What is that smell? Oh, that's Brother Cyrus. He's got a corpse on his back there. Guy, you know, like something from The Walking Dead. You, one of his limbs that fell off. You know. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> It, it, you wouldn't exactly want to invite him to dinner, would you? I'm having a dinner party. Let's invite Cyrus in his corpse. <laughs> Maybe make good for conversation. But boy, and see that. But that's what we don't realize. It's unseen, but it's still there. All that festering, all that hurt, all that woundedness, all that bitterness, all that stuff's going on. Yeah, and see, here's the thing. You could, you could. It, Human beings are amazing to adapt, which is a good thing. That's a very good thing. But on the other hand, it can be a bad thing because we can adapt and learn to cope with almost anything, even our pain. And some of us, you know, we've had it so long, we, we don't remember what it felt like not to have it until it's gone. And then you're like, "Whoa!" I woke somebody up, didn't I? This is what peace feels like. Wow, this is great. This is what joy, I'm reading about, this is joy. Woo, this is awesome. Joy and peace. Woo. So first he was reconciled to God. Listen, you're going to have to be obedient and you're going to have to do what God says to you. You're going to have to let this stuff go. You're going to have to let people go. Have to let your hurts go. Have to let that stuff that, yes, you were done wrong. Nobody would argue with you at all. You absolutely were. But let it go. It's killing you. It ain't killing them. They've gone on about their life. It's killing you. Amen? Let it go. First, he was reconciled to God. Then we won't read it all, but if you go on and read it, he was reconciled to Esau, wasn't he? You get it right with God first, then whoever you need to go to, you know what? The grace of God will be there. When you go to reconcile with them, God will work in their heart. Hello? Hello? See, our problem is we get this in reverse order. You haven't wrestled with the issues in your heart with God first, then go to them. All right, real quickly, eating from the tree of life. Turn over to Galatians 5. We talked about, you know, the victim mentality is somebody who just, they're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It, you know, a self-awareness. They're always thinking about, you know, how I hurt, what I was, how I was done wrong. Uh, you, know, you know, I was done wrong, my family was done wrong, it just wasn't right, you know. And nobody's going to argue with that, but you're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's a fleshly thing. It focuses on my flesh, on what was done to me, what, 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 uh, how I'm feeling, how I was hurt. But now, there was another tree there, and it was called the tree of life. So what is the tree of life for us? But look in 522. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. I'm talking about eating from the tree of life. Amen. Fruit grows on the tree, doesn't it? He said, "Is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which would also include forgiveness, wouldn't it? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The tree of life. That fruit is the fruit that is to grow in our brand new spirit person. Amen? We're connected to Jesus the vine. We are a branch, just like Jacob got a new name. The Bible says if any person be in Christ, they are a brand new creature. But here's the thing. We need to eat, learn to eat from the tree of life and reject eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, when something bad happens to you or somebody does something that's wrong, if you forgive them and move on, you're going to be eating from the tree of life. But if you nurse and rehearse and spread it all around, you're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it's just going to hurt and hurt and hurt and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's going to poison not only the part that was hidden, you know, but if you don't treat an infection right, it can poison your whole bloodstream. See, we may be scarred, but we don't have to be wounded. You know, right now in heaven, literal heaven, Jesus in his body, resurrected body, is seated at the right hand of the Father. Amen? And you know what? He has scars. Scars in his hand, scars in his feet, scars in his side. Because he told, didn't he tell Thomas after the resurrection, he said, reach here and feel but he wasn't wounded. See, he was wounded for our transgressions. But he's no longer wounded. He has scars, but not wounds. And here's the thing. You may have scars, but you don't have to be wounded. A wound, you know, that does not heal immediately, a doctor knows something is not right in the process of time. I mean, different people heal at different Understand that. But if you go a long, long, long time, a doctor, you know, a lot of times they send you to a wound specialist, don't they? Something's not right here. There's some kind of underlying thing that's keeping this wound, you know, from happening. Sometimes, you know, with diabetics, they they have a difficulty getting... Things to heal. But it could be, and it's the same thing with us. If you you carry around this wound, carrying around this wound, carrying around this wound, something underlying, you need to get along with God. You don't need the pastor to tell you. You need God to tell you. You need the Holy Ghost to show you. Amen? You take care of it in the prayer closet. Just turn that into a spiritual ER. Amen? But the Holy Ghost being the attending physician. (laughs) And you and he together deal with that thing. Get that stuff out of you so you can heal. So we can be scarred, but we don't have to be wounded. Listen to this. Wounds remind us of our pain. But scars remind us of our victory. See, throughout eternity, when you look on Jesus, you're going to see his scars. They're not going away. But you know what? We won't weep over that we'll rejoice over that because that's our victory paul said i bear in my body the marks he didn't say the wounds he said the marks the scars of my service to the lord and listen none of us you will not go through this life living the life of faith living the life of obedience to the lord you are going to be wounded i mean you know that's just how it is. You know, and I don't say that so you go around looking, oh, i am I going to be? No, but we can deal with the wound just like Jesus. And, and, you know, we run our course. We have some scars, but we don't have any wounds. And the scars remind us what? Of victory. I'm eating from the tree of life. I, I'm going to walk in love. Love takes no account of the wrong done to it. Love does not keep a record of the wrongs done to it. Love is quick to forgive. Oh, I'm going to walk in peace. No friction between me and my brothers or sisters. No friction between me and my family members. You know, they can go off and have a hissy fit. That's on them. But, hey, I'm going to be at peace. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to be long-suffering. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be gentle toward those who've been wounded in restoring them. I'm going to walk in forbearance. I'm going to walk in these. And you know, when you do that, you're eating from the tree of life. Oh, hallelujah. And I want to tell you something. It's the only way to go. It's the only way to go. Let me give you some action points here real quickly. We're going to pray. Let me ask you a question. Are you living with wounds? Are you living with wounds? You know, we, we came up here this morning and we prayed. And I trust that that was the beginning of some healing in many that came forward. But you're going to have to follow that up. Because if you're living with wounds, I want to tell you something. The person that wounded you is not the one who will heal you. It just don't happen that way. So if you're waiting for the one who wounded you to come back and make, you, make it right and get you well don't hold your breath you'll pass out but that doesn't mean and i'm glad for that because otherwise we'd be you know i'd be in somebody else's power i could never get well if i had to wait on them but many times that's what people are doing because you talk to them well if they had ever come and just apologize and you know or this or that you know and some of them have died and been in heaven for 20 years how are they going to come back and apologize So are you are you living with wounds? Do you want to move on with your life? Because see, woundedness gets me stuck. I'm stuck where that where that wound, right? At that point. That, you know, I'm my body is 10 years older, but emotionally and mentally, I'm still right back there, 19 Alton, and whatever. Because that's what that's that my pain is there, it, my thinking is there. My emotional health is there. My mental health is there. Everything is da- I'm stuck right there. So here, as I mentioned before, I'll say it again. Like Jacob, you're going to have to wrestle with your hurts in prayer and give them to God, your healer. Jesus is the healer of the brokenhearted. Let me read one last scripture here, and then we're going to pray. In Isaiah... 61, prophesying about the Messiah. Verse 1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, the wounded, the wounded, to proclaim freedom for the captives. What are you captive to? Something that happened last year, five years ago, 20 years ago. Well, my dad abused me when I was a kid. Now you're 50. You're still carrying that around with you, carrying that old corpse around with you. Release freedom from... Uh, Freedom for the captives, release from the darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and to comfort all who mourn. Hallelujah. I want to pray again. I know we we came to the altar today, and we prayed, but I want to pray for you. If you're watching online, you you want to get on this prayer, you just bow your head right there. Father, It can be so difficult when we've carried something for so long to give it up and let it go, even when it causes us so much pain. But Father, I'm asking by the grace of God and by the help of the Holy Spirit that many in this room today and those watching online will make a decision. It starts with a decision. It starts with a decision. They will make that decision with your help that they are going to move on. They're going to forgive where they need to forgive. They're going to reconcile where they need to reconcile with others. They're going to let go of prolonged grief. They're going to allow you to pour in the oil and the wine, the anointing, the purpose of the Messiah to heal their brokenheartedness. Father, so that they can move on in your purpose. They can move on in love and joy and peace. That they will learn to eat from the tree of life. The tree of life that is in Christ Jesus. The tree of life that is found in your word. Thank you, Father. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name.